Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Tonight, hallelujah. We want to open up our Bibles this evening. Luke chapter 2, if you join me there. Uh, tonight we, uh, we want to turn once again to a familiar portion of Scripture here in the book of Luke chapter 2. And we're going to, uh, this is a story that uh, often we read together or in, associated with the Christmas season. Uh, since it's there in Luke chapter 2. But uh, this, is a, this is a profound thought tonight that is possible for any person here in this place. There is one person in the Bible that scares me more than all the rest. And this person is not the devil. This person is not the man filled with a legion of demons. The person that scares me the most is not the Pharisees nor the Sadducees and their hypocrisy. It is not even the enemies of God and those who persecuted the early church. You know who scares me more than any other person in the Bible? It is the person who week in and week out fills the church chairs and pews across America, proclaiming the name of Jesus, believing themselves to be right with God, but in fact far separated from him. Those same ones that Jesus spoke about when he said, there will be many, say the word many, there will be many on that day, speaking of the day of judgment, who say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many works in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do uh, signs and wonders in your name? And yet, There they are standing before him, and what does he say? He says, depart from me, for I never knew you. That scripture ought to shake you to your core. As we consider tonight, is it possible that we can believe ourselves to be right with God and still be far from him? We have convinced ourselves because we compare our lives to other people. We compare our lives even to other churches. We compare ourselves to the preachers we see on TV. And it's pretty easy when you compare yourself to other people to convince yourself that all is good, that you're on the straight and narrow. But how many know God does not judge according to other people? God does not judge according to what you see on Christian television? God does not even judge the sermons preached from behind this pulpit. God judges according to... To his word. And tonight, my prayer is that there be no person that will walk away from this service wondering whether or not they are truly believers. It is possible tonight to have Jesus Christ very close by and still have him end up missing. 
That's what happens in this scripture tonight when Jesus goes missing from the care of his parents, Joseph and Mary. And if we're not careful in life, this can happen to us too. Jesus can go missing. Let's read the scripture, Luke chapter 2, verse 41. We're going to read 10 verses here. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. That's about this time of year, by the way. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem, according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they were returning, the boy Jesus lingered in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. Say that, say that out loud. They did not know it. They left from Jerusalem. Jesus was not with them. Verse 44, but supposing, say the word supposing. Oh, isn't that a mistake we make, isn't it? Supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, did you, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. He came down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept these things in her heart. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. Lord, I'm praying that there be not one person here tonight that would escape your conviction. God, that we would be able to look around in our lives and to honestly assess whether you are with us or whether you have gone missing. I'm praying, Lord, tonight that you would help us to be honest as we consider ourselves this evening in the light of your word. And we give you glory for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, let's look, first of all, at a sad discovery, a discovery that perhaps many people have made in the church of Jesus Christ. It's in verse 44. And once again, it says that they had gone a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem. And you, you have to ask, like, how is that possible? That here's Mary and Joseph, like, they know that this kid is a miracle. For 12 years that they've lived, that he has lived with them, they are remembering uh, how Jesus uh, came into this world through many signs and miracles and wonders. Are we right? They couldn't deny the signs that they saw in the sky, the Jerusalem or the, uh, the Bethlehem star. They could not deny all the miracles, the choir of angels that sang to welcome him into the world. They couldn't deny all of the miracles that God provided for them and protected them as they journeyed down to Egypt at the command of an angel. That both of them independently and then together had heard from angels from on high that this is Jesus. They, they, they told him that, no, don't name him John. No, don't name him uh, Joseph. Name him Jesus. 
That was all direct commandments from God, right? They had seen and they had heard with their eyes and their ears that this kid was special. And there was something supernatural about Jesus of Nazareth. And yet, having all of that knowledge, here they are walking a day's journey out of Jerusalem. And they, one day they look around. Uh-oh. Where's Jesus? How could this happen? Well, you know, these, uh, these were people that knew Jesus. They loved him. They spent most of their time with him. And they make the same mistake that many of us make. It is the problem of familiarity. Because we are people who call ourselves Christians, we are familiar with the Word of God, we are familiar with going to church, we can uh, sing the songs with our eyes closed, We can clap our hands. We can go through the mechanics of a church service almost on autopilot, can't we? We can uh, can sit and listen to a sermon and even say amen and find ourselves at an altar almost even without a thought passing through our brains. Isn't that possible? Familiarity, they say, breeds contempt. And so before we point a finger and begin to accuse Mary and Joseph of child endangerment, why don't we look at ourselves and think about whether or not we've left Jesus behind somewhere? Is it possible that maybe a day or a week or a month later that you've journeyed to some place or some decision or some person's house or some, uh, some, some bad advice that you got from somebody and you left Jesus in the dust? How many times have you woken up in the morning, gone to work, gotten to lunch, sun went down, turned on some show or read some email, and before you know it, a whole day has gone by, not one thought about Jesus has passed through your head. Is that possible, that that could happen to God's people? Of course it is. And you know that it's true, if you'll be honest. That you can go a a day, a two Three days, perhaps, without one instance of picking up the Word of God and reading it. Without uttering a prayer across your lips. Is that possible? And before we we, uh, condemn Mary and Joseph for leaving a 12-year-old Jesus behind, is it possible that we've made the the same mistake? That we've become so self-confident by saying, well, I went to church yesterday. How many know? Going to church is not the same as keeping Jesus close to you. Going to church is not the same. Sitting in a padded blue chair does not equal having a relationship with the risen Savior. It's not the same. He can be forgotten. They supposed him, verse 24, supposing him to have been in the company. See, this was a common practice back in the time that people would travel in groups. Traveling in the ancient world was very dangerous, even in Israel, because it was there as people were traveling on the side of the road that there would be thieves, there would be dangers, there would be wild animals that would attack. And so, for protection's sake, they would travel in groups. That would only make sense. So no doubt there was a large group, a large gathering of people that had come from Nazareth, their hometown. Perhaps 20, perhaps 50, we don't know a number, but we know that they were close. They were, they were members of the same family. They, they knew each other's names. 
They were familiar with one another. They were close enough that they could look around at the different faces and know these people, know what kind of work they did, know, uh, you know uh, what grandma's name was, know what kind of health problems they're going through, right? They were close enough that, that uh, they're traveling in a group for protection. And uh, so th- the supposition, the, the, uh, the assumption that is made by Mary and Joseph is that he's got to be here somewhere. Somebody has to know where he is. Have anybody ever lived in a small town? In a small town where everybody knows everybody's business? Somebody's got to know where Jesus is. So, hey, let's just go. Let's not worry about it. I'm sure he's on the other side of the, of the group. Oftentimes, we come to church hoping that somebody's having a, an experience with God. We come to a Sunday night service. Huh, maybe, maybe Jesus is around here somewhere. Is it possible that he can get left in the dust? How many people today are in hell because they made a bad assumption that they were saved because of their church experience, because of a religious feeling that they had singing a song at some point in their life and didn't actually bother to notice if Jesus lived in their heart or not? 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. How many like taking tests? Nobody, right? This is a test that not only is, 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 uh, are, are we commanded to test one another, to, to confess our sins one to another, but this one is a self-examination. This one is one that you have got to give to yourself. Pop quiz, maybe we could say. Test yourself. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. I was, uh, interesting, I was listening to a doctor who was talking about some subject, but he made a statement as he was talking, a medical doctor, who said uh, how important it is for doctors to listen to what their patients say when they come in for an examination. Because uh, the, one of the problems that doctors have is that because they've seen so many patients, it's easy to jump to a conclusion that is incorrect. And so what happens is a patient will come in, begin to explain, and if the doctor is not careful to, to listen and to take notes, it's possible to give an incorrect diagnosis. This happened to me just the other day. Maybe you noticed I'm hobbling around a little bit like an old fart. That's because I uh, had a little problem, my Achilles uh, tendon, and got some tendonitis going on. It's okay, I'm feeling better today. But uh, what was interesting is on Thursday morning, I called my doctor. I said, um, maybe it'd be good if I, if I come in uh, and have you check it out, just in case. And because uh, that day I was barely able to stand on it, had to stay home from work and various things. And so, and she, uh, so w- when, I, when I called the doctor, she said, yeah, 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 it's, it's probably plantar fasciitis. It happens to a lot of people, very painful. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start talking about, about that. So the next day we got, got an appointment, went in, and she, you know, uh, t- took my sock and my shoe off. And, and she's there holding my foot. And, uh, and uh and she says, okay, so it, so it hurts right here, doesn't it? I said, no. Oh, so it hurts right there? No. And she's, she's looking at my heel, but it, the bottom of my foot. But actually, the pain was on the back of my foot, right there. And she says, oh, well, that's different than I thought it was. 
I'm so glad you came in because I would have thought it was something else. And so when she figured out where the, pain, where the pain was coming from, the back of my heel rather than the bottom of my, my foot, she said, oh, okay, this is not the plantar fasciitis. This is probably just a, you know, some tendonitis going on, a ligament. And, uh, yeah, she gave me three or four weeks. You'll be better. But my point is that she, she, she had to listen to what I was saying. She had to carefully diagnose, and I've got a good doctor because she, uh, even, she, even though, first of all, she jumped to an incorrect conclusion, when I came in, she began to examine carefully. Listen, this examination is something we've got to take extra care, especially as we live in this life, as we uh, notch a few uh, months and years in our Christian belt, in our experience, and as we go through life, and we, you know, we go through some hills, and we go through some valleys, and it's very easy, very easy to get familiar with God, very easy to assume, yeah, he's got to be around here somewhere, and we drive off on a cross-country trip. Yeah, Jesus, he's got to be in the back seat somewhere. Before you know it, you're making decisions without consulting. Before you know it, you're, you're spending entire days or weeks that pass by without a prayer, without looking into the Word of God, without making time for the house of God. This examination is critical that you hear See, Mary and Joseph, out of that whole crowd, if there was two people that were supposed to be close to Jesus, it was them. They were responsible. Can you imagine the weight of responsibility that would be on Joseph and Mary? God said, I'm giving you my son to take care of him. Don't screw it up. Like, that's a big responsibility, right? And he is, God in heaven is trusting them with his own begotten son. And if there's anybody in the crowd, see, maybe other people in the crowd, maybe they could say, well, he's not my kid. Yeah, he lives in the same town. He's three doors down the street from us. He belongs to Mary and Joseph. But if there's anybody in that crowd that day who were supposed to know where Jesus was, it was them. And yet they were the ones that were making the greatest assumption Jesus has got to be around here somewhere. Let me ask you a question tonight. Will there ever be a day in your life when you look around in the corners of your heart and say, where's Jesus? Is he even here? I haven't heard his voice for weeks, for months. I haven't felt his presence for years. You know, there's a few other people in the word of God that made the same mistake. There's a guy named Samson who was supposed to be a judge of Israel. And uh, you know the story of Samson. He had strong man's disease, which is overconfidence. And he had a thing for uh, pagan women. And so, you know, his pattern was that he would get himself into trouble. And then, you know, uh, he would shake himself. And uh, the strength of God would come on him and be, he'd be able to defeat all of the enemies. And he did that again and again. Even as he was making stupid decisions, even as he was turning away from his godly responsibilities. But then the Bible says one day, in Judges 16, verse 20, she's lay, he's laying his head in the lap of Delilah. And she says to him, the Philippines are upon you, Samson. He awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before at other times. 
and shake myself free. But listen to this sad statement from the word of God. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He had no idea that when he was going to power himself up that day, like Captain America, that there was no juice left in the tank. Because of his rebellion, because of his sin, because of his assumptions that he made, that God's just going to automatically be there every time I need him. But not today. And it was that day that they gouged his eyes out of his head. And it was that day that they made him into a beast of burden, pushing a grain mill like an ox. Is it possible that someday you're going to need God's help desperately and you're going to shake yourself, but he's not going to be there to answer your prayer? Will you ever have to make that awful discovery that you look around your house, your marriage, your finances, your children, and say, did I leave Jesus somewhere? Can't find him. So let's look at the search. Oh, I want to tell you, listen to this carefully. How long had they traveled without Jesus? One day. They were 24 hours into a journey with Jesus, without Jesus, but the Bible says that they had to search for him for three days. Listen carefully. One day missing from Jesus triples their work to go find him. Isn't it true that it's a lot easier to lose Jesus than it is to find him? It's a lot easier to go a day, a two, or a week. I wonder if, you, if they would have gone a week's journey, would they have had to search for three weeks to find him? It says in verse 45 that when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Even though it was a desperate and uh, difficult mistake to dis- make this discovery, the good thing is that immediately they turned back to go find him. When they made this stark uh, discovery that Jesus is not here, they, they made this decision. They said, we cannot continue one more step without Jesus. They said, we have to turn back. This is a picture tonight of repentance. Can I remind you, church, people who are familiar with God, people who probably already know where this sermon is already going to go before I even say it, Can I remind you that repentance is not just for the sinner on the street who doesn't know the Lord? Repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance is part of the daily prayer which Jesus taught us to pray. Isn't it? it? He said, forgive us this day our trespasses. That is supposed to be a daily prayer formula. Repentance. Uh, When's the last time you truly repented? Was it today? Was it last week? Was it a month ago? When they discovered Jesus was not there, they said to themselves, we cannot take one more step without him. What do you do when you look around and discover Jesus is not there? He's not in your calendar. He's not in your home. As soon as you leave from church, it's possible to go home and not have a thought pass through your brain until next Sunday. That the name of Jesus is not spoken between you and your wife, between you and your children, between you and your co-workers. Jesus has been left behind, but see the problem, the mistake that many believers make is instead of Mary and Joseph turning around, let's go find him. They just keep right on marching. Well, 
I hope somebody finds him. I hope the pastor goes to outreach and finds him. I hope, uh, I hope somebody better off than me will, will, maybe he's in the back somewhere. What do you do? It's an interesting story in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, speaking about the house of Elisha and all of his disciples. The Bible said that they were cutting down a tree, and as they're cutting this tree down, the head of their axe flies off. You know, if you've ever chopped any wood in your life, uh, if the axe head comes off of your axe, you're not going to cut much more wood. I mean, you can try to whack a piece of lumber with a handle. That's going to be a pretty hard job, trying to break wood apart with a piece of wood. So you need the axe head, right? And so it makes sense that if they're going to keep chopping wood, they have to stop what they're doing, and they need to go look, where is the axe head? It had flown into a water, into a lake nearby. The man of God asked them, this is 2 Kings 6, verse 5, as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, so the man of God said, where did it fall? Take me to the spot where you were, where your failure occurred. Show me what happened. Well, Pastor Elisha, here's what happened. Hop in the wood, and then I swung a big swing, and it flew, and right there, splash, right there. I tried, I, I reached down, but I can't find it. He had, to, he had to consult with the man of God, with his pastor, so to speak. You know, sometimes we need the help of others. That's why the church is such a powerful thing, where we can go to another brother or another sister in Christ and say, hey, this is what's happening to me. I'm swinging this handle. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm trying. I'm praying so hard, but nothing's happening. Well, why don't you take me to a place? Tell me about the time that this started. When did you start? Can we connect any dots here? You, you'll hear pastors talk about this as we're praying for the sick, right? And we're saying, okay, so, <clears throat> so you've, had a, you know, you, you've had this illness for a certain amount of time. It started uh, last year in October. Okay, so is there, is there something else that happened in your life back in October? Yeah, you know, I got cut off in traffic. I've just been angry ever since then. Hmm. Okay, let's put two and two together. So maybe a, a bitterness, maybe, a, a, maybe a, your, your rage problem. Maybe it's connected. How many you know there are spiritual problems connect with physical realities? So often when you begin to put the dots together. And here's Elisha. He's, he goes back to the spot where they dropped it. And then Elisha performs a miracle. The Bible says that as he prays, that the iron axe head comes floating up to the surface. And they're able to get back to work. So often, God has work for us to do. God wants to put us in his field, in his harvest field. He needs laborers, but we're, we're sitting on the side of the road because we lost the tools that we need. We need. Maybe we need to go back. Maybe we need, to, uh, we need to talk to some spiritual guidance counselors in our lives that can assist us and help us to get back on track. At least Mary and Joseph had enough sense to start looking for him. One day lost meant three days searching. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But here's what the Bible promises. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29. You will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart 
and with all your soul. What does that mean tonight? We know that Jesus is everywhere, right? He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. His presence is here tonight. And yet there is something special and something unique about knowing that God lives in you. This is what the New Testament tells us. This is why God saves you, so that your body can become the temple of his Holy Spirit. God doesn't want to just be uh, uh, in your orbit. He wants to live in you. He wants to live through you. He wants you to be his hands and his feet and his mouth in our generation. And so if we are going to accomplish his work for our lives, we've got to search for him. Here's Joseph and Mary. They stopped traveling down the road. They turned around and went back to where they started. And for three days, verse 46, now so it was after three days. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Searching three days. Have you ever lost your child for an hour? The kind of anguish, the kind of guilt and shame. Now imagine that your child was the son of God. And the anguish and the pain they must have been suffering, I could not imagine what it must have been like for Joseph. God's going to kill me. I am going to die. I am going to be squashed like a bug. I lost Jesus. And yet, is it possible that we make the same mistake? One day they walked away from Jerusalem. Three days they were searching. Oh, I want to tell you, Sometimes it's just one mistake, just one bad decision can lead to years of consequences. It's a lot more difficult to build a testimony than it is to destroy one. You can live for God and be faithful to him, pay your tithe, live clean for for 20 years, and then one visit, one visit to the wrong place or to the wrong person. And it all comes crumbling down. A whole reputation can be destroyed. I think about this pastor from the Rock Church. Can you believe? I don't want to rehash it, but he gets caught in a sting operation. And all of this testimony, this powerful church over the years has done, as so many people have been there and their lives touched. And in one day, one bad decision, a testimony and a whole church embroiled in scandal Wicked. Do you think that he'll ever recover from that? I hope so. But it's going to take a lot. Think about that. One day walking in the wrong direction led to three days of searching. So where did they find him? Verse 46. This is going to help you tonight. So it was after three days that they found him in the temple. Where was he? In the house of God. And what was he doing? He was studying the scriptures. Do you understand how important it is that we come together and worship together in the house of God? I'm so glad that there's people here that you have a habit of church attendance. I want to just declare to you tonight that church attendance by itself does not save you. We know that. It is a work. And yet it is a healthy habit that leads us to good things. If you have any chance of finding Jesus, this is a good place to start. In the house 
of God. This is why we make time. This is why we make sacrifices to be in the house of God. Because maybe, maybe Jesus will be there. Maybe he'll be in the midst of us. Maybe that promise that he made where two or three of you are gathered in my name, I will be there. And the promise that he made that you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart and all of your soul. We come here two times on Sunday and one time on Wednesday. Why? Because we want to find him. We want to find his will for our lives. We want to find his purpose and his destiny that he has for us. And where did they find him? In the house of God, discussing the scriptures, talking about prophecies. They were all amazed at his teachings. I want to tell you, if you want to find Jesus, you need to go back to where you first found him. Back to the word of God. Back to the conviction of God. Back to preaching. This is why we have a, uh, we have a sermon podcast that our church produces. We want you to be filled to the brim with good preaching that points you back to Jesus. And as they find him there, their relationship is restored. Thank God. Verse 51 says this, Then he, Jesus, he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Aren't you glad they found him? Can you imagine how how the reunion must have been? There, There, no doubt, there was tears. No doubt about it. They did the typical Jewish parents thing. If you ever leave again, I'll kill you. There was embrace. Not because they were happy that they found him necessarily, but they were happy that he was back with them. That Jesus was able now to come with them on their journey. You remember when Moses was speaking to God one day and God was ticked off at his people. He said, I, these people, they're not serious. Uh, we go up the mountain. Moses, you come up the mountain and meet with me for five minutes. And what do they do? They start worshiping a golden idol and they call it Jehovah. This is the God that set you free and brought you out of Egypt. And they, uh, the Bible says that they began to engage in gross sexual sin. A giant mess of wickedness and rebellion. God's like, Moses, you better go deal with your people. Started making God angry. And after all of that happened, God makes a statement to Moses. And he says, here's what's going to happen, Moses. I'm going to go before you. And you're going to stay here. No, it's the other way around. He says, Moses, you're going to go over there. I'm going to stay back for a while. Because I don't, these people, they're messing me up. And what was the statement Moses made back to God? He said, Lord, if you're not going with us, then we're not going. If you don't go, then we don't go. If you stay, we're staying. Because we don't want to be anywhere without your presence, God. Moses took a stand. He said, I'm not taking one step, Lord, unless you step with me. Is that your heart? You remember the name that they gave to Jesus? And his name shall be called Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Jesus promises that he will be with you when you seek him with all of your heart. It says not only that, but verse 51, that he became subject to them. Think of this for a second. Now, we know this is in the context of a parent-child relationship. 
But here you have Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of all, the one in whom it pleases God that all the fullness of the Godhead would dwell upon him. And Jesus makes himself subject to a couple of peasant parents. He says, okay, I'll follow your rules. Better listen up, teenagers. If Jesus had to obey his parents and he was perfect, do you suppose that maybe you could try that one time or twice? The Son of Man, verse 28, uh, Matthew 28, 20, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Isn't that amazing? The example that he set was to be subject first to his parents, to the governing authorities. He said to Pilate, you think you have authority over me? You think wrong. No one takes their life. No one takes my life from me, he said. But I lay it down willingly. I make myself subject to you. In a certain sense tonight, Jesus also makes himself subject to us. I'm not saying that we become the master and he becomes the servant. What I am saying is that you can pray to the Lord Jesus and he hears your prayers. And he can move on your behalf. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. I want to tell you, Jesus can come down into your situation, right into your difficulty, right into your marriage problem, right into your bad grades, right into your finances, right into your health issues tonight. Jesus is the God who comes down to us. He's the God who came down from heaven, and he still comes down. Can you say amen? So the question is this, are you seeking him? Are you seeking him with all of your heart? Have you turned from selfish ways? Have you turned from your own ambitions and the path that you were walking down? Because listen, you can't do both. You can't be walking away from him and walking toward him at the same time. You can't be for him and against him. You're one or the other. In the same way that a woman is either pregnant or she is not. There is no in between. In the same way that a person is either married or they are not. In the same way tonight. In the same way that we are either saved or we are not. And you can dress it up. You can wear a tie on Sunday morning. You can even take the communion cup. Be careful about that. You can even crack open a Bible and say a prayer from time to time. You can do all of that and still not be right with God. Jesus still be completely missing from your life. Still operating in your own understanding. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Those two are connected. If you operate and live in your own understanding, if you are constantly leaning on the arm of your flesh and your own ideas and uh, you've always got the better idea, then you're not going to trust the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You know what that means? He tells you where you're supposed to go. So many people get themselves into bad places because they're not listening to the Lord. I want to ask you tonight, 
Take stock. Can I take a spiritual mirror and put it in your face tonight? Take a look at what's happening in your life. Can you see Jesus in your decisions? Can you see him in your speech? Can you see him in the way that you treat people? And if you can't, maybe you've left him behind somewhere. It's time to come find him once again. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.